Kayla, how do we open this show? We usually just say, hi, I'm Kayla, and hi, I'm Audrey, and this is Mordor, she wrote, a podcast where Kayla's never read The Lord of the Rings, and Audrey is obscenely obsessed with it. Wow, that sounded like a perfect introduction, and I don't think we should take it again. I think we should just use that. (laughs) I like that the podcast opens with misgendering J.R.L. Tolkien. It's true. All right, so this is, uh, as Kayla said, Mordor, she wrote, and we are back after an extremely long hiatus, and... We have with us a guest today, uh, Chris. You want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your experience with Lord of the Rings, your feelings about it, your deepest, darkest secrets about Lord of the Rings. Oh God, I'm not going there. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm I'm Chris. Uh, I am a friend of Audrey's through the Moonshot Podcast Network, which I helps co-found. Um, I've been obsessed with Lord of the Rings for majority of my life. Uh, I was in elementary school when the first movie came out, and I heard kids talking about it at school. So I asked my parents to watch permission, or for permission to watch it. They watched it by themselves first to make sure that it was not too violent for me. I don't even know if they made it through. I think it was too long, and my dad probably fell asleep, but they gave me the all clear. <laughs> and then uh, after watching Fellowship of the Ring, I became obsessed. And as a like fourth or f- I think it must have been fifth grade, as a fifth grader, I read The Hobbit, I read the, the main trilogy, and I read The Silmarillion. Which is this like incredibly dense, like fucking. It's the Bible. Basically, like basically like, historical text of fictional bullshit, and like the fact that I read it as a fifth grader still kind of like boggles my mind. But um, it's a flex. I used to be, I used to be smarter, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, no, we used to have more time. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I fucking love Lord of the Rings. It's one of my favorite uh, stories in the history of fiction, uh, and. It's, I haven't read the book since that, you know, fifth grade binge, so it was really interesting going back. Well, I haven't read this particular book, Fellowship, since then, so it's really interesting uh, going back to that. Also, just random fun fact, I used to play the Lord of the Rings, like, PS2 games, which oh, were fucking dope, and uh, in one of them, I used to, like, lie to my little brother and say it was multiplayer so I could keep playing, <laughs> oh, and, like, no. he would... He would be like trying to control like Legolas, like running around, and and I'd just be like, no, 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 like yeah. Sometimes it's kind of like wonky. It doesn't always respond to your movement, but like it's working. Look, look, you shot, the, you shot the orc. Good job. <laughs> the dead controller trope. I love that. Yeah. Uh, we do as... that with my niece on Mario Kart, the youngest one. Oh she... gosh, she's only. But like... she's figured it out. So she... she'll be four. Yeah, she's still a baby. She turns four in two weeks. Oh my god. My brother is like twenty eight, and I don't know if he still knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't let them listen not. to this podcast, right? Because then the truth <laughs> yeah, will be yeah, out. But as a fellow uh, reader of the Silmarillion in fifth grade, I have to say nice. major props. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like distinctly remember cracking it open in like choir class or you know fifth grade music and just like ah uh, yes, tell me about all these elves with names that I can hardly pronounce. I was just like, I've read, I've read the Bible. This is easy. I can read this, right? <laughs> like, yeah, but the Silmarillion didn't have the funky pink pages that my copy of the Bible had. So like, that was like one, one small flaw. Well, my parents loved me enough to get the gold edge pages of the Bible. Oh, so. Kayla. Actually, it was my grandpa. Lovely. That's a oh, story for another time. Fantastic. Uh, okay, so we all read chapter. One of book two of Fellowship of the Ring entitled Many Meetings, which is actually like the 13th chapter in the book, because as I think we mentioned in last episode, uh, each of the three books of the trilogy is actually divided into two books within its pages. So this is the roughly in half. It's a little over halfway through the book. uh, And we had left the Hobbits 
After Frodo was mortally wounded, being chased by the Black Riders and helped by Strider and the elf Glorfindel, they were on their way to Rivendell. Yes, it is yeah, actually y'all... 54% of the way through the book. In case you're yeah, wondering. y'all have read The Fellowship and now we're reading Of the Ring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. I love that. I was in... I was amused hearing uh, before the show you were detailing your experience with like watching the movies and having like a fever dream and passing out and all that during it, and like I was like, oh, so you must have been really really able to relate to Frodo in the in this chapter. I did. I I was like, Frodo and I are on um, a kindred experience here. I've been joking to Audrey this entire podcast that I'm basically just a hobbit in human form. That's great. I think I think most people that you should like and trust, like, relate to the hobbits when they experience Lord of the Rings. I think that that's also very true. Kale has it's many just... hobbitish tendencies. I I told you that the Wi-Fi at the old house was called the Hobbit Hole, right? Yeah, like, I do was... recall that. I can't remember what the password is to save my Oh, life, so. I can't believe I didn't mention that one of the things that Audrey and I first bonded over, it's funny because, like, you know how when you make friends with someone, like, you're, you're, like, not fully conscious of the fact that they're a person you can be friends with yet. And, like, I was just, like, willy-nilly throwing Audrey my Lord of the Rings fan fiction <laughs> from elementary school. Look, I wasn't going to like... bring it up if you didn't because I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it. I don't give a shit. Audrey read all of it. And Audrey's, like, giving me, like, like like literary feedback on it. And I was like, oh, I, like, don't remember any of this shit oh the character God. names. Because it was just, like, our names mashed together with characters we liked. So I was Chrysalis and, like, you know, that kind of deal. Kayla, he killed Goldberry. I did. I did. Oh my gosh. Edgy. Well, Barry, that's Tom Bombadil's wife, right? Yeah. Correct. Which I didn't remember I mean, thinking she's of her enough to kill to her. Anyway, so. Yeah. Also, I, I recently revealed to Audrey that I can't believe I didn't come up with this. That's the thing. is like when you love Lord of the Rings as hard as me and I'm gathering Audrey, just like, you, can't, you can't even remember all the fun anecdotes because it's just like so much of your makeup. Like My first email address that I kept for like a bulk of my existence was Hobbit Dude. Like... <laughs> It's That's just, yeah. great. Mine was, oh there. god, Chris, I think I might out-nerd you on this one, because one of my early emails was Ellen Mir Linethel, which is an elvish name that translates to, All like, right, Star yeah, Child I... or some shit. El- yeah, you're Elf a fucking dork. Star okay. <laughs> Look, All right, so... I made use of the Kenya and Sindar dictionaries in the Silmarillion, okay? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah so all right so frodo is all fucked up in bed and he wakes up and he's like what happened in the last four days or whatever he's like literally where am i and what time is it is but it Gandalf's the first here. his first line fucking gandalf is back i literally have a note that says oh good this motherfucker is back he's been gone for half the fucking book <laughs> he has at I- this point Really, really quickly, this is the time I can get in, like, two of the two of the things. So when I started reading this book the other night for the podcast, I I got so excited reading it before bed. On just the first page, I had to put the book down and be like, I can't do this before I got to sleep. I'm going to be too excited. But just, like, I did <laughs> I not remember, this. and I feel like no one ever talks about the fact that Tolkien uses, like, non-traditional quotation marks for his dialogue. It's a single, like, inch it mark is, rather than it the It is two... a very British publication thing. So is that of, a British thing? It's a very British thing. So I okay. have, I for Chris, I'm going to sidestep into Harry Potter because why not? Um, I have a box set of the British publication, and they do that in there, too. Okay. Really? That's a much more, yeah. I feel like I'll, I thought that was a classic literature thing. No, um, nope. That edition of Harry Potter that I have 
is from 2010 or 11. It was whenever Bloomsbury, who is the British publisher, did their adult editions. And my mom got me those for Christmas. So that's a very common... Is that where they're, like, fucking or what? Like... (laughs) What does an adult edition mean, Kayla? Yeah, it's like weird. It means that they don't have like the really colorful, pretty artwork. Oh. It's very minimalist. Okay. It's... So it's for, like people that are like embarrassed Serif to be reading text. it. But, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I take the dust jackets off of books when I read them anyway, so it doesn't like it's not like it matters. Kayla yeah. is but... full of mystery when she reads. The other thing yes. that popped out to me right away was um, I thought it was so interesting that. He, he, he creates this fantastical world in which he invents a whole language and all this complicated, like, history and sociology and, like, these religions and whatever else. And yet he kept, like, it's October. Like, they have the <laughs> same month system as we do here. It's, it's so funny because it's like... I feel like he's very grounded in the, like, I've stretched their imaginations enough. I can at least give them Sunday to Saturday in yeah. January to December. And I, I, and I respect like... that. <laughs> Yeah, like, you just don't think of it, because they, they never say it in, like, the movies or whatever, so, like, I mean, I don't think most people remember that that's a part of this, but, hey. yeah, it's almost like, it's like, yeah, here's, here's elves and orcs, and also they have Apple Music. Hey, yes. here's the thing, though, okay, and Kayla, this is a spoiler for Fellowship of the Ring movie. This scene with Gandalf does actually take, like, 90% of the dialogue, and it translates directly to the movie, including the line where he says October the 24th. Oh, does it? Yeah. Interesting, Okay. I, I don't All find right, that well, to then, be spoilery. I'm a, I'm, a, find that... I'm a fake fan, I guess. You're not a fake fan. I just watched The Fellowship of the Ring every day the summer that I was 11, so. We're going to have to talk about Legolas in the next chapter, aren't we? Um, yeah, yeah, but before we get to Legolas, so so Gandalf's kind of like him and hawing around this conversation with Frodo telling him what happened while he was out, which is to say he's not really telling him at first because... Elrond, we find the lord of the house of Rivendell, the elf, uh, was healing Frodo in the strict bed rest and blah, blah, blah. And Sam's been at his side and all this. Um, but eventually Gandalf decides that he's going to tell him a little bit about what's going on. Um, it namely comes up when they first talk about uh, Strider. And I, mm-hmm. I laughed through that whole conversation because Frodo's basically like throwing shade, throwing mad shade at at the men that he knows he's like yeah i mean i'm not fond like i said fond but fond's not the right word for strider and he's like but i kind of figured that like men were all just stupid like butterbur's kind and stupid and bill fernie's wicked and stupid but so he's just like "Mm, yep i don't i don't know shit about humans uh i just i don't know i frodo is a catty bitch i i have a note on that right there go ahead no you go go ahead I was just saying Gandalf then calls him out for being racist, but yeah, go ahead. Yes. Oh, it says Hobbit thoughts about humans. It was it was not as exciting as I thought it was. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Gandalf is just like, hey, uh, Butterbur is not an idiot. Like, just because he talks a lot doesn't make him an idiot, which I appreciate as someone who talks a lot. So yeah. Um. I have a note on the spot where Frodo says, "I hope I shan't have to go any further," and I put narrator he did in fact have to go further <laughs> mm-hmm. like poor poor frodo he just wants to hobbit and that's not gonna happen yeah after the initial cattiness we get some like actual lore stuff going um and i made a uh i had like a i don't know like an eldritch memory 
that came to me while I was reading, while Gandalf's explaining a little bit about, like, the Black Riders and how uh, they don't really have bodies, but they wear real robes, and that's why you can see them. And their horses are real horses, because not everything that works for Sauron is a, like, ghosty. Um, but but he talks about the Morgul knife, which is the Black Riders blade that Frodo was stabbed with, and how there was a splinter of it in the wound that was working its way towards his heart. And I have, Can- like... A distinct, yes, please interrupt me, but I do want to tell you that I swear to God that my dad told me that if I touched a black locust tree, the thorn would break off and go through my bloodstream to my heart. And now I'm thinking that maybe I just imagined that that happened because it is a thing that this magic sword does in Lord of the Rings. What's a morgul? Morgul is a place. Minas Morgul is one of Sauron's strongholds. Uh, we gotcha. will encounter it later in the books, but it is uh, where the the ring wraiths like congregate. There was a there were several spots between this chapter and the next chapter that were word salad while I was reading them, and hey, I'm at least you read the Hobbit much. and you knew some of that stuff they were talking about. I did. Um, I read the Hobbit against my will the first time, and then I like I worked at a private Christian school, and that was like one of the fantasy novels I was allowed to teach. So we read that, and of course we read um, C.S. Lewis. So. I'm sorry, but my favorite line from this chapter is Frodo saying, I've had a month of exile and adventure, and I find that has been as much as I want. And I'm like, same. Too bad, man, though. Too bad. Gandalf has like this really fun interlude with Frodo where he's like, kind of nagging him. He's like, yeah, I mean, like the wound was pretty bad. It was pretty bad, and you weren't doing great. Like, you, it really sucked. You were doing terrible, and we thought you were going to die. But I guess hobbits are cool. I guess they're strong, you know? What a good job you did, little buddy. We're so proud of you. Hate it. Hate. I hate that. Aww. He also, like, first calls all the things that Frodo's been accomplishing at his direction. He calls them absurd, and then oh he God. later, like, walks that back and then is like, actually, like, I mean, it's like, I, it's cool. It's cool. It's not absurd. I shouldn't have said absurd. I want to say I have a note in here about Gandalf just being a dick. I mean, that seems likely because it happens often and stuff. Uh, but the, we, we find out the Black Riders got, like, flooded out that uh, between... Yeah. Elrond commanding the river and Gandalf making the river into like horsey shapes. Um, They drowned the Black Riders horses. So without them and their robes, they will have to regroup a little bit. There's naked wraiths running around Middle Earth right now. It's a little bit. It's fine. No one can see them. Yeah, it's a little bit of invisible man. They could be in the room with you. And how would you know? like the reverse of uh, the Emperor's New Clothes, I guess. Yeah, but there is some talk, actually, about the fact that they don't have bodies and, like, being able to see things on, like, the ethereal kind of plane where the wraiths exist. Like, Gandalf talks about how Frodo's left arm, the one that got stabbed, was, it looks kind of ghosty. Maybe maybe a little transparent, if you know what you're looking for. Yeah. I had, um... I went off on a little tangent about Christianity and symbolism right there. I mean, we can talk about it if you want. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We, we, I want to hear it, yeah. Look, we're not so, just shitposting. We're also academic a little because you studied literature, so. It do be like that. It's the part, 
it's on page 222 in my book. I don't know what that, if that does anything for you guys. It's where Gandalf says, you look splendid, he said aloud. I will risk a brief tale without consulting El- Elrond. Um, the riders made straight for you as soon as you fled. They did not need the guidance of their horses any longer, and you had become visible to them, being already on the threshold of their world. And the little brief tangent I went on right here was how I know Tolkien was a devout Christian, and in this scene I can definitely see like some religious imagery and almost analogy coming through like and this this is just probably me grasping but the second Frodo puts the ring on he becomes visible to the wraiths right or the black riders or whatever right okay so it it smelled strongly of like hell or purgatory like being caught in an in-between place and I think he goes on a little bit to talk about Glorfindel and the coming from the blessed realm before he was in middle earth and it it smelled strongly of like angelic imagery and that was basically you know like that was what i had i didn't i didn't i didn't chase that very far but i think that that is a a fair assessment um because as you said tolkien is um he is he's dead um, he was a devout Christian, uh, so there certainly is some Christian allegory, although not as heavy-handed as Mr. Clive Lewis, um, but he does, and I'm going to get, I, this is my solemn vow, Kayla, and I know that I have made it before, we're going to read the Silmarillion. We're going to do it. And I said that I would. I know. And there will be more talk about the, like, Blessed Realms and... The nature of elves and, and things and why Glorfindel would appear angelic-ish if you're looking at him on that other plane and stuff. Let's see. Okay, so so next, after Gandalf has kind of started to fill him in and Frodo falls asleep again, when he wakes up next, Sam comes to see him. And if this ain't gay, I don't know what is. Dude. Oh, the, good. There's, there's oh, a line good. You said so it, not gay. me. Yeah. Chris, tell it's us like, the line. It's incredible. I'm, I'm literally like rifling through the pages right now to find it again. Okay. I think yeah, I think okay. I know what line it is. Yeah, I think it's you do the he, honors. He ran to Frodo and took his left hand awkwardly and shyly. He stroked it gently and then he blushed and turned hastily away. How else can you possibly read that? I just so I have read some about uh, Tolkien's depiction of Frodo and Sam, and I also have read a <laughs> full novel-length fan fiction where they get together by Molly Ostertag, and everyone should look it up. It's amazing. Um, okay continue (laughs) but kaylee you can't read that till we're done reading this book (laughs) okay however one of the things that they talk about a lot with frodo and sam is the idea of them being comrades in arms because they're both like the common man sam more so than frodo because of the wealth divide and how Mm -hmm. uh they are like devoted to each other before they go on this trip and that devotion just continues to be expressed and i think that that is man i'm gonna i'm just gonna get on my like little soapbox for a second here um i think that there is a distinct lack of expressions especially physical expressions of love and devotion between male friends in the contemporary era and that that is something that was more common in tolkien's time and whether or not that is they were just friends or they were more than friends those expressions are not often like visible to people i think uh so 
yeah, I mean, they're totally gay, first of all. But even if they weren't, this is, like, the type of thing where, like, dudes don't hold hands. And, like, why the fuck not, you know? So Yeah, well, it, Audrey, there's a difference between holding hands and he stroked it gently and then he blushed yeah. and turned hastily away. Look, well, brought, I will I've... tell you... Go ahead, Kayla. Mine... I will tell you my note for that specific line said, I blushed reading this. <laughs> yeah, like, right? It's, like, I just it's felt so like intimate. I, I just felt like I was privy to something that I should not have been seeing. And not that there was anything wrong with it. It's just like, you know, when you walk in on a couple that are in the middle of a passionate embrace and you're like, I should not be here, but I kind of want to watch to see what happens. Like how long they, before they realize I'm here. I have read yeah, been there. romance novels <laughs> less intimate and titillating than this sentence. <laughs> Well, you know, also, I think he's trying to, maybe he's got some, like, David and Jonathan vibes yes, that he's trying to go with. That is a comparison with. that's uh, often made. Yes. I mean, well, yeah. To, to only add to it, Your Honor, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the the defendant was, was noted to be dancing on the floor. <laughs> like, he's he's so gay, his feet couldn't handle it. And shining eyes, that's like euphemism for like tears in your eyes you know like he's so so excited and happy and just overjoyed like this is truly him being happy that this person who's so dear to him is alive and awake and aware so i'm gonna piggyback off of that for a second because if you keep reading this passage like a couple more lines down sam says it's warm Meaning your hand, Mr. Frodo. And I'm like, well, what else are we supposed to be talking about here, Sam? But that wasn't what I got hung up on. It was that it had felt so cold through the long nights, but glory and trumpets. And right here I have a, like, all this... Tolkien says a lot by what he does not say right here. And you get the distinct impression, or at least I did, and I'm projecting onto you guys, that not only did Sam, like, hold his hand just then... Sam sat there and held his hand while he was, like, dead to the world. A hundred percent, all yeah. intents and purposes. Keeping Yeah, I mean, vigil. like, he he does say that. I mean, he said, like, it it's felt cold through the long nights. It's like, yeah, I mean, like, I take that, like, pretty literally. I, I'm sure he did oh, hold his I hand did, the whole yeah. time. Yeah. Listen, I'm the person that has to have a flashing neon sign to get, like, very subtle cues. So sure. I'm excited <laughs> when I find them. Yeah. it's very good yeah but so they have their they have their joyous reunion uh and then sam takes frodo out to meet pippin and mary who are also both very happy that frodo's awake and there's going to be a feast and so there's a lot of description in the following pages uh just describing the people who live in the house of elrond uh who all is here so you've got elves of course you've got gandalf you've got glorfindel you've got elrond uh, there's some really brilliant description, and I say this as a person who skims and often skips descriptive passages in books, including these. Uh, but but the three paragraphs, like, back-to-back, where... Oh, I have all of that highlighted. It was yeah. just, it's beautiful prose. Also, we get the Lord of the Ring name dropped um, twice in a row within one paragraph, or two paragraphs. Oh, yeah, yeah. because Pippin calls Frodo the Lord of the Ring, and Gandalf's like, shut up, man. Yeah, I I'm glad you mentioned the like the descriptions and the prose because obviously that's like the number one thing that Tolkien gets dinged for is like you know like oh, you know too much description and too much like waxing poetic about like the trees and you know, <laughs> poems and songs and all that shit. 
That's a direct say, quote from another episode. Yeah, <laughs> but like I, I felt I'm the same way as you, Audrey. Like a lot of times, I see too much description. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm here for like the people and the story and like whatever else. But like I was, I was, it was so effective for me. I, I was just like, I want to be in these places. Like to the to the point that when I read just the first page, like the other night, um, I read the one description that he says about like Frodo sat watching like the you know patch of sunlight reflected on the wall and you listen to the sound of the waterfall and that night i went on youtube and pulled up waterfall sounds to go to sleep too it's like i just like he cre- he created such an atmosphere that like it's like it's the it's exactly what i love about books but it's like man i want to be there right now like it's great yeah i also like that um god this is gonna be hilarious because so something i feel like kayla and i both read a lot of young adult fiction right that's oh my accurate god, yes. right kayla yeah especially <laughs> fantasy and you get a lot of just like nonsense descriptions of like people's eyes and faces and reading the description. So just some tidbits from these three paragraphs where he describes Gandalf, Glorfindel and Elrond. Uh, He says about Gandalf in his aged face under great snowy brows, his dark eyes were set like coals that could leap suddenly into fire. And I think that something like that could feel really like florid, but it doesn't in this context for me. And and the impact mm-hmm. is really, I, I think, especially contrasted with the way that, like, he's describing Glorfindel. On his brow sat wisdom, and in his hand was strength. Like, that's so abstract of a description. And that's how I like my characters to be described, because it allows me to kind of project whatever actual physical appearance I want onto them. You know? I'm a little yeah. bit spoiled, because I I know what their characters in the movies look like. So I'm like, yeah, they did a good job with that. I mean, you I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, Glorfindel's not in the movies, okay, guys? But, um. We weren't uh, talking about fucking Glorfindel, Audrey. We're talking about Gandalf and Elrond and how you can see. I was about to say, the, the, my two favorite descriptions are Elrond and Arwen. The Arwen description later on the page is amazing. If I could pronounce half of the names, it would be even better. I will do it for you. So it was what? that Frodo, let's see, uh, yeah. I'm right not, there, I'm, yes. I'm not going to read the description in front of that. It, it, it's many sentences. It's beautiful. So it, was, so it was that Frodo saw her whom few mortals had yet seen, Arwen, daughter of Elrond, in whom it was said that the likeness of Luthien had come on earth again, and she was called Undomiel, for she was the even star of her people. Yeah. That is uh, word salad, Kayla. I know there's a lot of no. It's good. I I looked up what some of those words were. Luthien but. is a legendary elf that will meet in the Silmarillion that fell in love with a mortal mm-hmm. man named Baron, and she's like basically the most epic elf love song ever. And then uh, Undomiel is a elvish translation that literally means even star <laughs> in Kenya Elvish. Yeah. Listen, the line that got me was actually in the part that you're like, I'm not reading that. <laughs> okay, well, tell me what it is then. Well, it's just the part where it said young she was and yet not so. The braid of her dark hair were touched by no frost. I'm like, what a beautiful way to convey youth, but yeah. also like a timeless youth. I'm like, she didn't have gray hair. I'm like, no, her hair was not touched by frost. Like, uh-huh. damn, that's good. Yeah, that you're, you're allowed to be really like purple and flowery with your prose if you're as good at it as he is yes 100 percent. which most people are not it's true and i i don't even so the young adult 
literature comparison. And this is not shade on the genre. Like, it's a little bit of shade on the genre, but I read a lot of it, so I feel like I'm qualified to give a little shade. Um, Yes. I I think that the reason that it doesn't land as well in that genre is because people fall back on certain tropes. Like, they're always describing eyes. They're always describing the way that someone smells. They're always describing someone's hair. And they're, like, flipping through a thesaurus to do it. And I feel like Tolkien is instead giving you like metaphors, like gentle metaphors, but still really evocative ones. And so he gets to use as many adjectives as he wants. Yep. Yeah, he's like he's like creating the feeling and impression that the characters get from looking at each other and not just saying like her eyes were a pool of chocolate and like, you know, <laughs> sort of like, you know, that kind of hacky sort of thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So he does all this description of Gandalf and the elves uh, and just kind of Frodo's reactions to to these people. And then we meet a dwarf who is seemingly the only dwarf here. And Mr. Glowin, he's back. <laughs> Wait, I know him. Is that how you pronounce his name? Because I have always yeah, said groin. Like no. rhymes with rhymes with groin. Okay, but it has the it has the accent mark on the O, which means the O is its own separate emphasis. You were the I've English said, major. I've always said glow as well. Well, I love that. That's way better than it sounds less gross gloin. than gloin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gloin sounds like a Conan the Barbarian character. It it do be like that. <laughs> I said I've met him before. He's in The Hobbit. Yeah, Kayla, this is where your expertise should come into play. This one character. And, like, 17 guys he mentions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, who else does he name drop here? Oh, yeah, Thorin Oakenshield. I know him, too. Yep. And, um, and, uh, well, what's his, what's his name? Bard the, Bard the Bowman? Uh, yes. Bjorn the Bear Man. Bjorn the Bear Man. Um, the guy who, in my head, when I read The Hobbit, is... Aragorn. Like, I know he's not Aragorn, but he is the actor that played Aragorn. Viggo Mortensen. Sure. If you say so. I do say so. And no, I have not seen the Hobbit movies, either. That's fine. I feel fine. like we should you... probably include that here. Uh, Kayla, you don't need to, and I don't want to watch them for this podcast. I should make you. Uh, um, I've watched them once. Isn't that torture enough? Anyway. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so so Glowin updates us on what's happening happening out in like Dale and by the Lonely Mountain, and you know what well, happened like- to the rest of uh, Thorin's group. And he does make like this cryptic mission- mention of the fact that Balin, Ori, and Owen have uh, like disappeared, basically. Mm-hmm. And then he and then he starts to talk about how. Uh, yeah, we suck at smithing now. But, like, we're good at industry. Yup. I, uh... I know that, uh, Tolkien couldn't resist, uh, name-dropping the entire party from The Hobbit. I liked it, honestly. Colin, Glowin, Dory, Nori, Bifer, Bofer, Bo- I... So, whenever I read the, Hobbits with, the Hobbit with my classes, I read it out loud, and they always crack up when we get to the spots where the, um... All of the characters are listed in a row because Dory, Nori, and Ori. Yeah, because I it mean, sounds like a Doctor Seuss novel. Briefly, like if Doctor Seuss had ghostwritten it, 
yeah, I mean, like, The Hobbit w- was, like, children's literature. You know, he knew what he was doing. He knew that that's, like, fun for kids to have names that sound alike in a row like that. Yeah. The the rhyming and the alliteration and the assonance. Yeah. And having them all brought up here, like, it felt like seeing old friends. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember all them. Yeah, but he also... Had... know what's going on for a second. He had to do the classic Tolkien, which was, like, give us the generational history. So it's like... Yes. The grandson yes. of Bard the Bowman. Brand, son of Bane, son of Bard. Yep. Like... Yep. Maybe I'm just, like, so enamored with Lord of the Rings that, like, you know, whatever. But I'm just like, yes. Like, I love when you do this. Yes. And I probably hate when anyone else did it. Oh, I can say strongly from experience, love it when Tolkien does it. Fantastic. Amazing. Flawless. Read the five uh game of thrones novels that are out currently hated it every time george r R. martin said anything like this or tried to do anything similar (laughs) well and that's the thing that's so interesting too and like and i'd be curious i guess if kayla if you if 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 you can tell us that we're just like being like fanboys about it and like it, it doesn't have this effect but like but like because of the world that tolkien created I was actually, like, super interested to hear Glowin telling Frodo about, like, how their, like, you know, metalworking techniques have changed. It's just because, like, oh, because, like, I don't know, there's something that is so, I don't know, he always made, like, senses of place and community, like, feel important. Like, when he talks about, like, the Shire and stuff, I always connected the way that the character, the Hobbits feel about the Shire to how I feel about my hometown. And so I was like, okay, it's like, it's like hearing from one of my dad's friends about what they're doing in his hometown i don't know i just liked i liked and i liked reading you, it you've hit the nail on the head the difference specifically between something like lord of the rings and then something like game of thrones um there is a it it comes from a sense of like warmth and community and like familiarity and like the nice parts of that and that it's there to return to but game of thrones the second you're thrown in like People are getting their heads cut off. Siblings are having incestuous relationships with each other. Like, there's nothing to anchor yourself onto, to be attached to, to love, to, like, to bond with for for a sense. And in, I feel like in any, like, trauma response that a person has to something, and I mean, like, even if it's fictional trauma, like, reading Game of Thrones, it you you do your best not to get attached. Like, you know not to get attached to things. Because it's just going to get fucked up anyways. But that's, like, it's not that big of a, like, I don't know. It's just, am I rambling at this point? Maybe, but I think you articulated it well that, that Tolkien is portraying community in a way that anchors you. And the way that a lot of gritty fantasy and, and, and more contemporary fantasy treats things is, like, characters are disposable for shock value everyone you love will die right well and, and also if any author were gonna forgive you for rambling it's tolkien <laughs> but speaking of like community and stuff we do run into a familiar face here that we haven't seen since early in the book gandalf bilbo <laughs> no the other one bilbo Kayla. oh yeah i texted you about you texted this. me and i was like what the fuck are you talking about bilbo is here like do you know someone named bilbo somehow and you didn't tell me <laughs> no it took it took her a second she's like oh you're reading i was like <laughs> yeah i'm reading you it's yeah. okay you say it i was being a dummy it's fine yes but yeah bilbo said, is here yeah. He fills Frodo in a little bit. They get to have a nice little chat with 
uh, like Sam, while all the elves and and everyone else is kind of cavorting. And uh, I just I just have to say, Bilbo says, "I have sat by your side with Sam each day," and in all caps, I had I was right. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, continue the hand holding. Uh, but yeah, so Bilbo is turned into you know like a like a puttering old grandfather type. Uh, his quote unquote adventure when he left the Shire was to go to Dale with the dwarves, uh, mm-hmm. find out that Balam was gone, and came back to Rivendell. And that's where he's been ever since, composing songs and thinking. He says, Why sitting and thinking? I do a lot of that nowadays, and this is the best place to do it in, as a rule. Uh, he and Elrond have kind of like a chummy relationship. I love that about them. Like, Elrond gives him some crap thinking he's dozed off and Bilbo's just like haha oh no I'm composing a song and then Elrond's like well you better be ready to perform that song later because is it a complete chapter of the Lord of the Rings if there isn't a song no 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 it's not and uh Strider gets another name here the Dunedain what does that mean it means man of the west as Gandalf explains in this chapter Listen, I hear radio static sometimes anytime a person gets a new nickname. It's going to happen I do a my lot. best. I know. I do my best. I, I just got in the habit of highlighting the new name when I see it. That way I'm like, okay, I have a point of reference now. But don't we get a little bit of exchange about the ring right here where uh, Bilbo asks Frodo to take out the ring and show it to him? And everybody's like, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Uh, And it is... It it is is, tense. It is a tense moment. It is. Um, So... Like, like, you can see... Well, like, you can see the effect that the ring is already having on Frodo, and Bilbo's kind of already, like, he knows he shouldn't because Gandalf has basically read him the riot act on that and i short-circuited for a second going oh no i'm gonna spoil something if i say this but i realized you've read the hobbit so and this is a whole ass character in the hobbit so this yeah and he has a flat and he has a flash of seeing Gollum right here doesn't he it's if i read the that description correctly. sounds a lot like the way that Gollum is described so it's a shadow seemed to have fallen between them and through it he found himself eyeing a little wrinkled creature with a hungry face and bony groping hands he felt a desire to strike him. He forgot the good part. It's, I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't descriptive. Yeah. Right. Yes. And then, what does it say? The music and singing around them seemed to falter and silence fell. Bilbo looked quickly at Frodo's face and passed a hand across his eyes. I understand now. That was the moment I was talking about. Sorry. Ah, yes. I, w- I was like, Bilbo's kind of like, fuck, what did I get myself into? I, uh, this little, like, brief monologue that Bilbo has where he says, don't adventures ever have an end? I suppose not. Someone else always has to carry on the story. I underlined this in my copy because I think that that's one of the- I have it highlighted. That's one of the theses that, um, is that the plural of thesis? Theses? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think so. It's one of the theses that I think that Tolkien, um, drives home in these books adventures I, I don't would... end like the things we consider to be adventures 
even the terrible consequences of them, they are present. Like, someone else is dealing with them if you aren't. I feel like Elrond has a line coming up, and it may not be this chapter. I feel like he's got a line coming up in this chapter, the next one, where he talks about, like, where the point of a story and where it starts and stops and how other pe- it's other people's job to pick up the story once. Yeah, that's next chapter, I think. Yeah. Okay. Because we are about at the, like, four pages of song. Chris, Kayla, I'm gonna... Kayla laments the fact that there are so many songs in Lord of the Rings. How do you feel about the songs in Lord of the Rings? So, all right, growing up, I I don't even know if I was, like, when you're reading something in fifth grade because of a cool movie you saw, I feel like, at least from what I remember, I don't know if I would say as strongly as Lament, but I never cared for them. I never gave a fuck about the songs. And so this time reading it, I was like, all right, I'm going to try to take this seriously and actually try to, like, glean some meaning from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, I can't really share any of, like, what I got out of it because I think that it really pertains to things about, like, the end of the series. Like, I think that it's 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 gesturing and setting up ideas and themes that, like, will not be relevant for a very long time. Um, but I was curious to talk to you two about the song and, and like, if you got anything else out of it. I'm going to be honest, I yeah, Kayla, Kayla always skips the songs, okay? Unless, I don't always skip the song. I don't. Unless I recite or sing them on this podcast, you don't read them. <laughs> this well, one's are you a gonna long sing? one. I'm not. This is a very long one. So this is a this is a long one that uh, Bilbo and ostensibly Aragorn have composed about uh, Erendil, and he's oh, no, like wait, an, I did read. Yeah, he's Continue. like an ancient Elven Mariner king. And so there, it's a very much in the style of like a, like a Nordic epic. And I think that Chris is right in that it is setting up a lot of themes because some of what Tolkien's communicating, and it comes back a little bit to what Bilbo said about don't adventures ever have an end, is that sometimes uh, stories of adventure and the rise and fall of things are cyclical. Yes. And, hmm. Uh, Chris, I need you to finish watching Succession because these like cyclical <laughs> is like the word I would use to describe that show. Anyway, um, but but he's <laughs> Tolkien predicted okay. Succession. Okay. Um. Um. So one one tip off I will I will give you, Kayla, that I discovered while reading this is I started enjoying reading the song more when I started reading it out loud. I was like, oh, this is actually kind of fun because there's like a, a a rhyme pattern and like like speaking it aloud. Um, made it a little bit more interesting to me i think it definitely has a rhythm i don't know what like meter tolkien necessarily uses but i know he does use meter because he was a linguist before he was an author Uh, you can tell yeah he's very very intentional in the way that his songs and poems flow i have the audiobook to this on is it the andy circus one I don't know. Okay, well, he played God. I wonder, I wonder, like, why the songs were such a big thing for him. And I, like, because I don't, I'm not as brushed up on, like, the man as one might think that I would be. I know the, I know, like, the stuff everybody knows of, like, well, that's probably not true, but I know the things of, like, okay, like, World War One medic and all this stuff, but, like, I don't know if he would have come from a background where, like, um, communities were sharing songs in the way that he clearly thinks is so valuable or if that's like a thing that he sort of like is maybe like 
wishing the world was more like and then putting it in his fantasy world for that reason or some mixture of the two you know what i'm saying like there's so much of it and it's such a prevalent part of the the books that he writes that it just makes me curious like why it's so important so i i can't say definitively but i do think you're right that it's a mixture of the two one of the things about tolkien is that he was like a translator of old english so like i have his version of Gwen and the green knight which was a very old thing that he had translated. And so he approached and set up Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit less so, but Lord of the Rings as though he was translating something. And I think, mm-hmm. I don't remember if I've read this somewhere in something that like his son published or if this is just something that I made up in my brain. But um, I think that I have read that he wanted to make it feel like it was a true text that he was translating the same way that he translated like some of the old tales of King Arthur and stuff, because in those there are always references to other people and places and things that have happened and the history of the world. And so to put songs that do tell like the history and that do ground the world more to make it feel like it's a real place that exists and has, has a clear culture and history and, and like mix of uh, species and histories and places that to put songs in helps ground it, right? Like helps make it a piece of things. Um, and I also know that like his translation of Gwen and the Green Knight is in meter. <laughs> and so he well, obviously liked doing that. Yeah, that, that sounds familiar now that you say it. And I also think that like, yeah, that makes sense too, of just like, if you're trying to make something feel like a sort of like, old recovered text then like it makes sense to hearken back to times where yeah song would have been more common like you know oral tradition and stuff yeah ex- exactly exactly so there we go we mm-hmm. cracked the we cracked the uh we the solved, song obsession we solved tolkien yeah well because of my google search on why are there so many songs in the <laughs> lord of the rings um <laughs> tolkien just loved poetry that was yep the consensus i see also rob i'll forgive English, him Rob Inglis is the narrator of my audiobook. Ah, okay. Well, that's fine. I'm sure he does a great job. Uh, ultimately, eh. Bilbo makes people guess uh, which parts of this very long song are his and which parts are Aragorn's. And which they is d- great. I loved that scene. They tell him, oh, well, you got to sing it again. And it's like such a long <laughs> song. He's just like, I'm not going to do that. He's like, no. <laughs> it, it's funny to me. He even says it would be too tiring to repeat it all. Yeah. It's funny to me that, like, Bilbo talks about how the elves go in for, like, poetry and song a lot and stuff. But the way that it's set up with Bilbo making them guess harkens back to the riddle scene in The Hobbit, I think. Like, Bilbo likes to play games, That's right? interesting. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And the elves, too, are, like, they are playful about it because it feels jokey when they're telling him he has to sing it again. And then we get the follow-up of, of him saying that basically none of it was Aragorn except for this mention of a green stone because he was basically like, I can't believe you're cheeky enough to make a song about this famous elf king that people love that some of the people here probably knew He's in like, this house. He says, a matter of fact, it was all mine except that Aragorn insisted on my putting in a green stone. He seemed to think it important. I thought that was important enough to highlight. And I'm like, well, who the fuck knows? It probably is important. Okay, so, so. Kayla, we're going to read the Silmarillion. 
<laughs> You're gonna get tired of me saying that about these songs, but this and the is... green the green stone will become apparent. I'm the green stone will be in the Silmarillion, and uh, Erendil will be in the Silmarillion, and many other things will be in the Silmarillion because it's all there, basically. Oh, um, yeah. Can you imagine how funny it would have been though if they were like singing again, and he's like, okay, and then Tolkien just reprints the the four page long song. <laughs> I would have died. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, I could actually skip it. <laughs> I, I, I loved noticing that, that Frodo dodges whether he likes it or not by just saying, I'm not going to guess. Because it's like, it's, it's, it is literally, okay, all of you out there, if you ever have to go to like a show or like read something of your friends or something that you don't actually like think was good, take Frodo's example. Because like something like that is like such a good deflection from the question of whether or not you liked it. It's 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 masterfully done by young Master Baggins. It's like the it's like the um, literary critique one oh one. You never say whether you like or dislike something, you just say something oblique. Mm-hmm. I like the use of color in this, even though, you know, whatever. That yeah. sounds like I, I say that to my kids and I mean it, okay? But what I'm saying is... Like, <laughs> Look, it's yeah, not that you sometimes. don't mean the criticism, okay? Or, or the critique or the compliment or whatever. Yeah, but it's yeah, like yeah. Yeah. the compliment sandwich, right? Like, okay, yeah. I this isn't in my genre, right? So what do I say about it? Like, it seemed appropriate for the setting. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, it's 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 good because he then he just gets Bilbo onto the the track of telling him the story about how he wrote it all and he gets to brag about himself and so he doesn't notice that Frodo did not answer the question. I mean, he's he's grown up with Bilbo, so he yeah. he knows all the little insider tricks to get Bilbo to. Kayla, so, there is one other song in this chapter. Do you want to? Yes. A, do you want to take a stab at it? No, not at all. Why is I was that? Gonna tell, because it's all in Elvish. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, do you want to take a stab at it? Um, only if I can sing it to the tune of Baby Shark. I sure. will allow that. I'm not doing that. Okay. Oh, damn. Call this bluff. Call this bluff. Okay, so I'm not going to do it to the tune of Baby Shark, but I will read it. Um, uh, Elbereth, Gilthoniel, Silivran, Penamiriel, Omenel, Aglar, Elenath, Nashered, Palandiriel, O Galadrimen, Anorath, Fanuilos Lelinathon Nef Er Si Nef Eron. And I don't know what accent I was saying that in because I'm not a linguist. My sister is, and uh, she would probably find um, like con languages, constructed languages, to be very fascinating. In fact, I know she does. But I'm just doing the best I can because it's been a while since I read those dictionaries. Mm-hmm. We, we just like we the did. swords and elves. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we find out that the song is about uh, Elbereth, which is implied to be some sort of like deific type creature because it's a song of the Blessed Realm. And that almost gets Frodo to go back to where all the singing and stuff is happening after he's told Bilbo how tired he is. But in the end, uh, he heads off to bed. Can can we briefly revisit the topic of how badly I want to hang out in Rivendell? Because, like, I mean, even aside from how gorgeous it looks in the movies, you'll see eventually, Kayla, if you don't remember from your uh, deathly illness, um, and, you know, the, the beautiful description of, like, the landscape and the architecture and all that, but just the description of what it's like to hang out there, it's like, Bilbo says that it's so comfortable and relaxing that, like, you literally have to get accustomed to not just instantly falling asleep. Like, and he talks about how much the elves love like food music storytelling sitting and thinking and it's just it's just literally just like 
this like simultaneously this, like, this like haven of like peace and relaxation while simultaneously being like this fucking like sick party that just like is like fucking burning man every night of people just like <laughs> hanging out and like drinking and singing and telling stories and shit like it sounds fucking dope i i if i if i could buy a ticket to to get myself there i would do it best fantasy place hands down yeah. 10 out of 10 yeah the fact that you have to train like it's zero gravity for yourself to not to just like <laughs> fall asleep because of how like comfortable you are is insane. I would be happy to take a nap in Rivendell. I was gonna say yeah. I would love to be in a place where it's hard to stay awake instead of hard to fall asleep. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. You can basically go to bed, and that's the end of the chapter. Yeah, Sam comes to retrieve Frodo, and they go to bed because there's gonna be a council tomorrow. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm sensing an info dump chapter coming. Could I be right? Well, um, Kayla, do you have any other predictions besides that it's an info dump? And I know that this is a little bit of playing pretend because we read the chapters in batches. I read the chapters in batches. I'm this going week. to read this chapter. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to throw you under the bus right now. That's fine. No, I've had a busy okay, work week. But I have not. I'm Loki kind of miss work week. But. I feel like we're going to meet a lot of people that are central to the story that we have not yet met, uh, a la Gimli and Legolas and other friends that are part of the Fellowship that have not yet joined us. Boromir, I believe, makes an appearance. Um, those are my hard concrete. I know that's what's going to happen. And then I have a feeling just, I'm basing this off of what, uh, Chris said that since we read the fellowship the first half of the book and this is of the ring they're probably going to decide what is to become of the ring that seems like a fair or at of... least discuss it first... i don't think any of that i don't think any of that's gonna happen <laughs> oh yes yes perfect it sounds i mean that sounds like a fair guess and we'll see look if it's frodo true. frodo talked about how bad he wants to be done and go home do you think that tolkien would really make him go through like two and a half more books of like sorrow and the other two books trudging are around just him eating oatmeal at home you know and yeah probably well and this is probably going to be a stretch prediction i'll give it a legitimate stretch prediction something is going to happen between now and the end of the book where the fellowship cannot be a uh, fellowship for a period of time because okay. that's I, well i'm just going off of like fantasy narrative structure and what what are common tropes to happen in in a fantasy novel and since he kind of set the bar for the high fantasy novel i feel like that would be a safe prediction for me. i think that's pretty fair but that's all if, there was in this chapter so yeah yeah many uh Many meetings. Yeah, many meetings. It was a good chapter. Um, I was surprised by how much I really got into it, considering that when I saw what chapter we read, I was like, oh, okay, so it's the one where he, like, wakes up in bed and he's, like, in Rivendell. Like, okay, so, like, one of those chapters where not a lot is happening. It's like, I loved it. I honestly, I was like, thank you all for giving me the opportunity to revisit this book. Because, like, I'm kind because I, I literally just, w I went home uh, and I grabbed this book off my childhood bookshelf and I was like, I'm just going to grab it, you know, read the chapter and do this podcast. But now I'm like, I kind of want to like just reread it because rereading it as an adult is obviously Please very do. different from when you read it as like a child. It Please is. do because you can come back and, and talk some more with us. Sure. Yeah. I feel like you're invested at this point. 
I look, it's, it's welcome it's, to it's, the fellowship. It's, it's, it's always a nice treat when you go back to something that you loved before you really knew how to like articulate why you liked something. And like, sometimes you go back to that and it's like, oh, it's cause I had no taste yet. And the other times it's like, no, this is like way better than I even realized because now I can identify all the things it's doing well. It's so much better when you go back to it and it's just as good as you remember it being. Yeah. I can, also, I can see now why, like, the books stuck for me as opposed to... I'm sure there were tons of kids who saw the first movie and tried to read the books and was like, this sucks. I'm not doing yeah. this. But I can totally see why me, like, you know, I, why, why I liked them. Absolutely. Yeah, thank can I also you. Just, Sorry. Can I also just throw in how much I love that the title of this chapter was... What was it? Many Meetings, and this is our first chapter with a guest host and wait am i the first guest you are we didn't used to do this with guests at all and then when kayla was like hey do we want to like resurrect this thing from the dead i was like yeah let's do some episodes with guests too i was like bring it on that i don't know if you remember audrey but when you very first asked me about this i i'm sure i told you i have so many like lord of the rings obsessed friends who would love to be on this show with y'all and like i have a lord of the rings group chat it's literally just them, literally just dedicated to texting each other about Lord of the Rings shit. Send them my way. I would okay. love yes, for please. them. Also, how do I get added to that group chat? Anyway. I can, I can make that happen. <laughs> I, I should not be added to that group yes, chat yeah, yet. Because yeah. Kayla, you're not allowed. A lot of Audrey, Instagram memes you shouldn't be seeing yet. Yeah. Audrey, did you, en- did you enjoy my Instagram post the other day about when is your job to run the social media, but you also don't want to... <laughs> accidentally spoil yourself i did i'm so sorry that i'm so bad at social media that you it's have okay. to post everything i'm like scrolling through reels and i get a lot of lord of the rings reels on our mordor she wrote instagram account and i'm like that looks funny i don't get it but like somebody will <laughs> it's perfect but yeah you were the first uh-huh. guest chris and thank you so much no, for joining us it has been really yeah. really fun and uh yeah like kayla said we definitely would love to have you back in the future but for now if you want to tell people where they can find you online or what they should check out if they want to know more about your work yeah uh you can find me on twitter at topher disgrace and you can find uh my website christyhutton.com that's where all the shit i actually give a fuck about is at. um i'm a you know tolkien must have inspired something in me because i'm a writer um i write i think we all are it's okay yeah 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 sorry um I, uh, yeah, I write comic books, I've written uh, films, uh, a couple plays, a couple games, podcasts, uh, you know, co-wrote a couple episodes of a podcast that is on the Moonshot Network right now, audio fiction, uh, sci-fi kind of deal called Additional Postage Required. Um, I was also on a podcast on the network recently where we basically, like, wrote our own follow-up season of Dragon Ball, like, after Dragon Ball Z and Super, which was really fun. Um, I'm really proud of the stories that we came up with for that. So, um, yeah, and if you liked listening to me analyze fiction, the podcast that I had on the network that is now over, but you can still find it, was Nervous Rex. It was an Evangelion uh, podcast where, similar to this, uh, it was the classic format of the other host had seen it before, and it was my first time going through that, so we talked about um, the uh, holy anime Evangelion. Nice. Awesome. Thank you. So, Kayla since it's been a while why don't you tell everybody what you've been up to and where they can find you as well oh my god well i quit my job again and i got a new job yeah i quit my job again got a new job and i'm interviewing for another new job but that's not why you people are here 
Um, I actually just launched my, I've been thinking about doing a history podcast for a long time. Audrey can tell you that I, I've talked about it a lot, but the first four episodes went live recently of the Broad Chronicles, which is a women's history, slightly comedy podcast. Like I make jokes about things because I get uncomfortable at points in the story. So if women's history is your thing. That's going to be a long podcast. There have been a lot of women. <laughs> there have been. And, you know, that was kind of the appeal. I wanted, because, like, my family gets sick of listening to me wax poetic about my nerdy endeavors. And I was like, you know what? There's plenty of strangers on the internet that would love to listen to me talk about Queen Victoria for three one-hour-long episodes. So you could, that was... You could do it like Tolkien's like Gwendolyn, daughter of Eleanor, daughter of Marilyn. Oh, no. There, you, so you say that, and... The first two people I cover are Charlotte of Wales and Victoria of the United Kingdom. And long story short, Charlotte of Wales had to die for Queen Victoria to be Queen Victoria. And there's a lot of family tree you have to understand to, to get that story. And instead of telling it here, you can go check out the first four episodes of The Broad Chronicles, which is out in the ether now. Well, I hope you do some songs. Oh, I am not a writer of songs, and my poetry is a little on the terrible side. But <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm up to right now. What about you, Audrey? So glad you asked, Kayla. So in addition to this podcast, I am the host, the only host, no guests, of a podcast called Alone at the Table, where I play solo RPGs, and I invite listeners to come along for the experience. That podcast, along with some of the ones that Chris mentioned, is a part of the Moonshot Network, and you can check out my podcast and the other Moonshot Pods at moonshotpods.com. I also publish nice. games with my small press, Hope Punk Press, and solo uh, as Lady Tabletop on itch.io, Coffee, Tumblr, that's pretty much the only places I live online these days if you're not my Discord friend. And, uh, yeah, that's what I got going on. Where are we on social media, Kayla? I'm so glad you asked because I had to go look it up again. So I never remember e- it. God knows. Our email address is mordorshewrotepodcast at gmail.com. We are on Instagram at mordor underscore she wrote and Fun fact, Audrey probably isn't even aware of this. We also have a TikTok called Mortar She Wrote Podcast. I'm pretty sure um, you sent me the first TikTok you posted. If you if, well, if you want the most engagement, um Instagram is the place to be. Yes. Because it's a lot easier to content mine over there. But um, if you're interested in guesting on the show, please do email us or hit us up on Insta in our DMs. Please do. Um the Facebook page exists, and as we say in every episode, it exists. It's there. There, Yeah, there's nothing there. Just find us on Insta. That's yeah. That's where we're at. Uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you again, Chris, for being on the show. And Kayla, you want to sign us off? Do I do. It? Chris and dear listeners, may the stars shine on the end of your road. Elbereth, do 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 do. Elbereth, do do.